Genre. everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story, except when we don't. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this is our ninth annual Halloween special for 2023. And that means joining us are returning Protagonist Podcast co-founder, Todd Mack. Hello. As well as frequent guest, Todd Peterson. Heidi, Heidi. And uh, producer Andrew is going to be involved in our Halloween special. I mean... To a lesser extent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to have to uh, choose uh, each round. You're going to be our judge. Uh, well, yes. So the important <laughs> part, I guess. Yeah, you get to decide the winner, and nepotism is allowed as you consider that. Fate is in my hand. <laughs> Some people might say the car seat is unimportant, Andrew, but really, <laughs> it's very important. Oh, I I was in a vehicular accident last weekend. I know. <laughs> So perfect. I didn't even know that. See, this is how the universe speaks. Well, for this year's Halloween special, I had in mind doing some sort of Halloween Mad Libs to give us titles. And so I asked every member of this recording right here to send me a word for a spooky location, a horror adjective, a human body part, a supernatural being, a scary onomatopoeia, a weapon, a normal household object, a favorite adverb, a cryptid, the first word that pops into your head a villain from classic literature, a color, an animal body part, a location that's creepy when nobody is around, a sound you don't want to hear when you're alone, a random object near you, and the name of a child's invisible friend. And then I realized I don't have anything to do with these. So I just then randomized one from each of those group, one from each person's list and gave us like a theme board that we have to make a story pitch out of. Can I be honest? I don't remember which submissions were mine. I will just say, on a cryptid, a lot of us had a Bigfoot in mind. Just uh, way too many of us. <laughs> Which is good because there was some video of a Bigfoot uh, uh, in oh, Europe going around. Yes, I, I saw that. Um, totally so fake, but also awesome. So we got <laughs> seven groups of word clusters for us to to make a mood out of. And then we're each going to make a pitch. And then Andrew's going to choose his favorite pitch uh, from those. Because of time constraints, these pitches might range from a fully typed up pitch to a general idea that we might talk through as a group. We're going to find out as we go from one to the next. This pitch is mostly vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Which the word cluster already provided. So, yeah. uh, Andrew. Would you like yes. to find a way to choose which one of us is going to go first? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not telling you what my what my method is. Okay. I'm just uh, <laughs> organizing a quick method. Okay. Mm-hmm. And okay. It's uh, Todd Mack. I'm all first right. right out of the gate. Yeah. 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 It's all on you. Okay. And we're just going... However you want to We're do it, you could pick any, any one of these, or we could just go in order. Let's just go in order. Okay. All right, so what's the first uh, word Okay, cluster, so round Joe? one is an invisible friend named Draggy. A creepy place is a church. A genre is comedy, and the classic literary villain is Tom Buchanan. I'm just going to make a note. That was creepy place when no one's around. Church. Not in general as a church necessarily creepy. But if you've been in okay. one with no one else, it can be. 
And this uh, is wait for any listeners who don't recognize Tom Buchanan. That name's not pinging right off the dome. The classic villain that everyone understands. <laughs> yes. Tom Buchanan is uh, Daisy's loser, misogynist, racist husband in uh, The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. Yes. Not as opposed to Jay Gatsby, <laughs> who is not a loser, but is also racist and misogynistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, differently, differently, uh, less, okay. <laughs> less overtly. And I was just going to say, like, Daisy wouldn't be in a great place with Gatsby necessarily, but she's definitely in a bad place with Tom Buchanan. <laughs> okay. So this is my least uh, polished summary, so I'm happy to just get it out of the way. But the idea is that Tom Buchanan is driving around town in his fancy car. And he uh, somehow comes across an old abandoned church and it's nighttime. It's weird. He's probably had a little too much to drink and he's visited. It's like a, it's like a Christmas Carol kind of a thing. He's visited by the ghost of big Tom Buchanan from survivor (laughs) and his invisible friend draggy. It's a kind of Halloween meets Christmas Carol meets Greek Gatsby meets Survivor. Uh, And this is all in an attempt to get Tom Buchanan to change his ways. That's my pitch. Uh, I didn't expect Big Tom from Survivor season two uh, to make an appearance here. Oh, no, he's got that southern three. that southern drawl. So Big Tom Buchanan from from Survivor, he's he's a big guy. I, I mean, I'm I'm going off of like a one one minute YouTube video yeah. and a brief Wikipedia summary. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a, he's a big uh, big guy, strong southern accent that is unintelligible most of the time. Uh, see, he he kind of connived his way to the very end and then got stabbed in the back by some surprise of surprises uh didn't didn't win the thing but uh anyway he's the one that gets sent back to one tom buchanan to 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 another trying to teach this guy how to be a better man with his invisible friend draggy wow uh i i truly was shocked when you pulled in survivors tom buchanan I'm so glad because I thought, oh, Joe, Joe's going to Joe's going to get this one for sure. We're both going to have the same pitch. He's been on two seasons. and It's just Big Tom. So I didn't even think of uh, Tom, like his last name. His name is Tom Buchanan. Yeah, it is. Once you said it. Uh, All right. right. uh, Todd Peterson is second. Okay, y'all are going to lose your minds. (laughs) I'll just get right into this. Tom Buchanan's high school days were boring and lonesome until he met a strange guy named Draggy at church who took him out of church and over to the town cemetery on Halloween night and got him drunk and left him there. After he passed out, he was haunted by three spirits, the ghost of Halloween past, (laughs) where he was only allowed to trick, but not treat. And the ghost of Halloween present, where he got to see all of his friends at a Halloween party without him. And the ghost of Halloween future, which is the plot of the great Gatsby. Wow. <laughs> okay. And he wakes up in a sweat and decides to become a school teacher instead of just living off his inherited wealth. And, and being an awful racist. <laughs> that's, that's right. See, this is the thing that fixed it. Isn't that weird? Oh, wow. I wanted to mash up like the Great Pumpkin and wow. uh, Christmas Carol and the Great Gatsby. So well, there. Okay, some, now vibe, I really... some vibe was jingling on this. Wow. For, that's for some reason, you saying that makes me want 
and I know I'm mixing my Charlie Brown holiday specials, but I want Linus to do a summary of the great Gatsby <laughs> on, on a stage, standing on a stage. It's, it's the, the great Gatsby, Charlie Brown. And then he just reads the final line. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, I did. I, I'm going to give us a different flavor. So hopefully Andrew's uh, tired of the repetition YouTube provided. <laughs> All right, this is mine is set after everything that went down in The Great Gatsby. And Tom and Daisy have moved out of the city to the suburbs. Uh, In his home, Tom remains a terrible person, but out in public, he presents the facade of an all-American patriarch to a loving family. Tom and Daisy's daughter, Pam, has an invisible friend she talks to named Draggy. Uh, Draggy sees how Tom is and wants to embarrass Tom and drop his carefully manicured facade to the public so that others see how he really is at home. So one Sunday, Draggy follows them to church and starts to mess with Tom and is going to do things like tie Tom's shoes together so that when he gets out of the car, he trips. He's going to tighten uh, his tie repeatedly during church. So he has to keep wrenching it down. He's going to Draggy's going to blow on Tom's ear until Tom like turns suddenly and yells at the people behind them. He's just losing his temper and it's getting more and more. And Draggy just keeps doing this uh, until in the end, like Tom, is standing around like upturned pews and Daisy and uh, <laughs> and Pam are backing away and other churchgoers are giving him dirty looks as the church ladies take Daz- Daz- Daisy and Pam out uh, in a protective way and Tom is standing angrily alone in the church. Wow. It was hard to work in comedy and Tom Buchanan <laughs> is what I found. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say from the beginning, I think this is the hardest plot work i've ever done for this podcast i mean some of these are i just sat and stared and thought there is no story here <laughs> these were and hard is this, is this one of those well uh yes i mean all of them were in some way this was really challenging for me if uh, i get a point i'll be happy in the whole game <laughs> yes <laughs> uh i am I'm going to go to Todd Peterson on this one. Uh, I, I'm going to say no offense, not your best work collectively. Oh, Oh, brutal I, I opening think, yeah. round of judgment here. I, I think it, I don't know who picked Tom Buchanan as the villain. I think that was a hard pull for villain in, to have in the game. That was me. That, that was one of my picks. So I think you shot. I think I somehow, I think you managed to shoot all three of you in the foot. With that one yeah, pick. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we did such a good job with the chains with which we were shackled. Yeah, I mean, we were working sometimes uh, like uh, the, the parameters within which you're working aren't uh, the, the, the boundaries that are have to inspire creativity. We got to work with what we got. So some of yeah. the other options we had were. For, yeah, I, for I was going to say it's like, but, uh, but these are the, the chains that you, uh, like these are the chains that you forged in email. So like, <laughs> no, we have a uh, we have another literary villain lower down. Oh, we do. Oh, oh, yeah, right. Six. Okay. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll save it. We could, we, we'll see if there's time to circle back because we got uh, several rounds right. to go. So we'll see yeah, how we're doing on time. I, uh, I think we can we can cruise into the next one. All right, Todd Peterson, I think is going to be up first on round two here. Okay, so our uh, recipe here is cryptid, Bigfoot, random objects, hourglass, weapon, throwing star, time period, the sixties. 
It seems pretty natural. I, I want our listeners to take a moment and just imagine what story comes to mind for them with that mix. Bigfoot, hourglass, throwing stars, the 60s. Uh, that's right. So uh, at the end of the 60s, a group of military researchers called the Hourglass Division uh, went into the Pacific Northwest woods searching for Bigfoot. The purpose of their mission was to get genetic material for the development of a super soldier program called Project Throwing Star that meant to turn hybrid cryptid humans into an elite paratrooper unit that would bring the Vietnam War to a close quickly. <laughs> Five researchers went into those woods. None came out. <laughs> uh, wow. I love hybrid cryptid situations. <laughs> All right, uh, my plot for this. Uh, in the 1960s, the biggest tie-dye-wearing hippie is Arlo Echo. Long hair, bandana, tiny circular glasses, bead necklace. He's six foot six, and he's nicknamed Bigfoot. One day, he's wandering in a groovy store, which has some psychedelic posters, lava lamps, lots of records, and some odd knickknacks all over the counter, strange art hanging from the ceiling. There's also some options for, let's just say, chemical enhancement of your listening experience <laughs> and arlo partakes of a variety without paying much attention to what it is that he's ingesting while he goes to listen to a record on some headphones in the back uh he has a psychedelic experience as the music transports him and he becomes one with nature the earth and the universe uh the workers knowing arlo well just leave him laying on the floor listening when it's time to close up and they lock up arlo wakes up the world is spinning he gets up and sees his reflection he is literally a Bigfoot now, not a nickname. He has become full Sasquatch. He looks at the counter and he sees an hourglass with sand trickling down. He's not sure how he knows, but deep in his core, he knows that unless he can find some ninja throwing stars and break that hourglass before the sand runs out, he's going to be stuck as a Bigfoot forever. So he's going to go on a crazy all-night adventure that is Hippie Bigfoot's quest for throwing stars. On the way, he's going to gather some allies like Mellow the Meerkat and Pinko Pam, but there are enemies that are trying to stop him, like <laughs> Jupiter and the Man, and Betty Buzzkill. But with the help of Angel Dancer, who grants him the Flower Cosmic, Echo may have a chance to complete his quest. Wow. Holy smokes. That was good. <laughs> um, I just... I, I have no idea what a bad trip is like. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is just going from pop culture osmosis <laughs> that you might wake up and I think like you're a Bigfoot. I like it. All right, here we go. Uh, the sands of time are running out, and only Jenny Jackson, a plucky young archaeologist, can save existence itself. But in order to do so, she has to use the hourglass of time to travel back to the 60s, find a highly trained ninja assassin, convince said ninja assassin to come with her to find Bigfoot, and then use Bigfoot's knowledge of the Himalayas to find a secret and ancient cave that contains a throwing star made from the burned-out core of the first star in the universe. And then they have to grind down that star in order to make a new hourglass of time before the original hourglass runs out. Oh, I love the big ideas we had in these. <laughs> There's, uh, this was much better, everybody. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Joe on this one. Mm, nice in in part because when that conglomeration of words was uttered i started thinking it's like well it's got to be like a like a drug like it's a, like drug wild night you know like one yeah, crazy okay. night kind of thing like that was my immediate instinct and that's where joe went and it was like ah great and i wanted to be like in my mind we don't know 
what is actually his real experience here like do, do we get a shot uh, like if this is a film you get a shot of like some people just watching him going crazy in an alley as he's yelling at pinko pam <laughs> and there's no one there but todd mack really liked the um like the the core of the burned out star mm-hmm. and todd yeah. peterson uh i mean it, it was it was great it's just it's not what I wanted for this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, All you know, right. Henry Ford said if he would have given his customers what they wanted, they would have made faster horses. That's right. <laughs> also, uh, Henry Ford said a lot of other stuff. I don't know that we really need to be <laughs> leading into that. All right. On to round three here. Our word stew was an onomatopoeia, kachunk, an animal body part, fang. A sound you don't want to hear when you're alone, whisper, and a negative emotion, anxiety. Hey, Joe, quick yeah. question. Uh-huh. Were any of these, because you like randomized it, did yeah. any of these end up being assembled completely out of one person's submissions? No, it was always one from each oh, of our okay. groupings. So I, I, but I randomized which, like I, I assigned numbers to all the categories. And so it was different number. It was like, you know, number three from Todd Peterson, number five from Todd Mack, number mm-hmm. seven from you, stuff like that. All right. So again, kachunk, fang, whisper, and anxiety. Mia is a college student, dedicated, studious, and asleep in a carol at the back of the university library. The lights turn off. She's still asleep. Security guard turns the deadbolt. She is still asleep. A very quiet whispering begins at the front door after the security guard leaves. It seems almost nonsensical, like a child's babbling. It's disembodied, uh, a lilting whisper that moves back through the library and enters the stacks. Books blur by as the whispering voice sings to itself. It weaves through the shelves until it exits and sees Mia asleep. The babbling stops, and for the first time, we can make out clear words. Oh, no. The nearly silent babbling whisper moves closely, uh, closer to Mia. We clearly hear the word, gift. And then there's a loud clatter on the desk. Mia jerks awake and looks at the desk in front of her. She reaches out and picks something up. We see a close-up on her face as she holds something that is blurry and out of focus for us. Then a rack focus blurs her face, and we see that she's holding an inch-long fang. A drip of blood falls from the fang and splashes onto her desk. Then we hear the child's whisper again. Gift. Save yourself. Mia startles as a loud kachunk echoes through the library, and the emergency lights flicker off. In pitch black, the child's voice whispers again. Save yourself. Now. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Can you, can you reiterate for me? What is the, what is like the tone and inflection of that last save yourself now? Save yourself now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so perplexed by that. Like that last now, because I can't tell if this whispering child is helpful or if it's threatening. (laughs) The whispering child is helpful. Something else is coming. Is okay. what I wanted. Okay. That, that's what I'm trying to say. It's somehow like, supposed to help Mia save herself. Okay. Yeah. It, so it's it's like, go now. Like, do it. Not like, mm-hmm. now Like now we're playing the game. No, not, not like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. All right. Todd Mack. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. I uh, I think this is a first, a protagonist podcast first. <laughs> I was feeling something, and uh, and felt inspired to write a haiku. <laughs> yes, 
Fantastic work. <laughs> this Plus. is a first. It should not be. I am glad it's happening. I'm ashamed it's taken nine, nine years of us doing this. I'm really looking forward to, okay. in the Christmas special, Joseph's uh, sonnet. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Anxiety calls. Icy wind whispers. Kachunk. Fang whimpers. Alone. Ooh. That's all I've got. Oh, I like the oh, talk. Man. I really hope it's not the last poetic form <laughs> employed in one of these games. <laughs> this is me. I mean, I, 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 I'll just say, I read those words. I looked at them twice, and and the thought came into my head, which thought has never occurred to me before. It can only be a haiku. <laughs> right, a haiku. Yeah. I mean, that thought's right. come to me before about other things, but. Never to me. <laughs> All right. Uh, Todd Peterson, you get to follow up the first haiku that's been written for the protagonist podcast. Well, what I have here is a pitch for a video game called Whisper. And in this game, you must navigate a world overrun by vampires with only bottom fangs. <laughs> do, do they have like underbites, so it's kind of sticking out? Yes. So they're kind of they're they're up. Um, and these vampires burst out of the ground and they bite you from beneath. They're not neck biters. It's like they're ankle, calf, thigh biters. Ankle biters. Um, and every time a player hears a kachunk sound, it means one of these ground vamps is about to burst through and get you. Um, wow. And it could be an instant later, or it could be minutes later. This is kind of borrowing from Minecraft, depending on the density of the material the ground vamps are digging through. Um, so you kind of have to know, like, oh, hey, if it's a kachunk and they're coming at me through granite, I got a while. Um, the anxiety of waiting for the ground vamps to emerge without warning drives players to keep moving. And there's like a little anxiety, like, um, like hamburger stack measuring dial over on the side. And so <laughs> if your anxiety goes too high, you freeze up and you can't move. And the ground vamps get you on the ankles, calves or thighs. <laughs> oh. Andrew, I know you weren't happy with the so first weird. round, but I hope you are ecstatic oh, with what we've been giving you lately. This is going so much better than that first round. I, I'm confident now that the first round is is the bottom of the barrel today. I, I This has gotten like, so much better. I've got to say, I, I was very pleased with what, what I wrote. And I'm like, I think I'm going to get round three before the game started. Now I have no idea. I love both the angle-biting <laughs> bottom-fanged vampires and the haiku. Oh, man. Uh, Todd Peterson, what's like the aesthetic of the game? Like, is it like Minecraft? Is it a platformer? Is it a side scroller? Um, I think that it it looks like a platformer because you have to be able to see the ground and mm-hmm. the character above. But I right. do think it would be pretty cool if you could, like in Minecraft, control the perspective. Like if you could use like the left controller for example and then like shift from side to overhead i don't know i mean wasn't there a mario game that did that 
Mm. I don't know, but if there it was, wasn't, it was, there it was like be. a sideways platformer, but you could like do a switch and then you'd be like behind Mario and you could. Yeah. Move. And then when it's at the top, it's like other kinds of, you know, like campaign uh, combat games. You kind of see that above and you can kind of move and move and move, but then you could switch it to the side mm-hmm. and then see, but maybe you could only do that for a little bit. And then within the store of the game, you could buy more time in the side view. Oh, that's like the anxiety is like, oh, how much am I going to get the most useful perspective? Right. If you don't want to chip in any money, then you'll just feel crazy all the time. If you do <laughs> want to want to like buy a power up or whatever they're called, then you can get the side view and then you can relax a little bit. I just want to remind you, we had the exact same four words. Four words brought us these wildly <laughs> different <laughs> creative efforts. It's like genetics. Um, I'm I'm going to go for the video game. I think it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. Man, I thought I was I I thought the haiku might grab it just for the. Uh, I mean, I guess video game is also very unlike our usual pitch, but yeah, I I'm not saying I want less poetry out of this. I definitely want more poetry Hold out on. of this. Well, if you on. don't reward things, this is just a simple economics. This is okay. what always happens to poetry. I mean, the next limerick that gets delivered. <laughs> what? <laughs> but not uh, haiku todd he wanted a limerick you you were gosh. right for poetry but wrong form I'm getting I mean, I, okay this is like when i lost a chili cook-off to vegetarian chili i felt like they either had to give chili the win or it had to be last and and they're like well we're gonna make it win so because they're recognizing it it's like <laughs> you know it still has to be the best option okay all right, so round one went to Todd Peterson, round two went to uh, me, and round three back to Todd Peterson, and I think Todd Peterson is leading us off uh, on round four here. Wait, Todd Mack, sorry. Okay, we got to get a point here. Got to get on the board, on the board. Here we go. Uh, the words that we have is the adverb uncannily, the color pl- plum. Horror adjective, blood-curdling, and supernatural being a ghoul. Uh, So this story is about a fighter pilot who has to parachute out of his plane into an unspecified desert. He walks and walks, fighting against hunger and thirst. It all looks bleak. Then miraculously, he finds an oasis and a plum orchard. After slaking his thirst in the perfect clear water, the pilot turns his attention to the plums. He eats one. It's the most delicious thing he has ever tasted. Sweet and tangy. The firm skin resists, then gives way as his teeth plunge into the meaty center. He takes another and another. Dark violet juice streams from the corners of his mouth. Finally exhausted, the pilot lies down on the cool grass. He sees a plum on the ground, but as he reaches for it, he realizes that the fruit gives him an uncanny feeling. On closer examination, he realizes that it and every plum in the orchard contains a tiny eyeball at its core. Oh. His, blood, his blood curdles as he hears the chilling voice of a ghoul that rattles inside him and says, I see you. <laughs> That's upsetting. So did he like, like he grabbed a plum and like it was half, like it was like bitten into and he could see the eyeball. Something like that. Yeah. Oh man, that's a that's a rough visual. Mm. Seeing an eyeball inside a stone fruit. 
Woof. I was imagining, uh, is it Denethor in, uh, when he's eating? Oh, yeah. Eating, yeah, eating the tomato? Yeah. Yeah, yeah eating the tomato <laughs> like that. A little that. burst of juice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the pl- it's plums, and it's like drip, dribbling down his down his chin like that. The, the Got red. it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think any Denethor reference is pandering to the judge, because... I mean, that's just so I, evocative. I think it's pandering <laughs> towards anybody. I mean, Dennis were eating. It's like, oh, I got it. It's one of the most one of the most effective images in that entire franchise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Todd Peterson. Agnes Plum is visiting her grandmother's grave site when she hears a blood curdling scream and sees a fleeting glimpse of her grandmother moving quickly through the cemetery. She catches a bird in one hand. She, the grandmother, catches a bird in one hand and devours it. And while feeding, she looks at Agnes and smiles, her teeth covered in red blood. Come here, come here, she beckons. Agnes is transfixed at the sight of her nana as a ghoul, Frozen in place, Nana comes closer, 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 until a bullet rips through Nana's head, and behind her, a group of her friends from school say, Come with us, the dead aren't staying that way. So that's kind of like the cold open for a whole (laughs) thing that's going to happen next. All right. I went in a different direction, both of you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You wait, how far a direction could you have gone? You had the same words like it's supposed to be blood curdling. Yeah, we'll wait for it. (laughs) You're in the grocery store. The lights are a little too harsh. You're scrambling to find a leak for some potato leek soup. Suddenly you notice that there's a shadow following your movements, but you can't see what is casting it. You look around and you notice that some people are frozen in place. Some are moving backwards. Some are glitching back and forth where they were. There's no rhyme or reason to who seems to be stuck in time differently than the other people around you. All of a sudden you hear a sound and you glance over at the plums and you see a horizontal split tear across each one in the display. And the top half stretches back. They look like small puppet heads being held open. And you hear a chorus of blood curdling screams come from each one of the plums. That's all I had. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I like the um I like the the second person <laughs> narrative. Yeah, oh. yeah, you. Uh I, I, I before we had a little delay to start the recording and at the time that we had that delay all I had written down was all the plums split open and scream. That's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was madly typing over here while we were waiting to get started. In your mind was it always like like muppet-esque? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, or uh there's a young Sherlock Holmes that has uh food that comes alive that's always haunted me. Hmm. Um, this is Todd Mack's first point. All right. On the board. Yeah. Plum, plum eyeballs. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that one, that one really got me. Mm-hmm. It's very evocative imagery that you provided us. Um, but now because of our conversation, I want just somewhere in the background of something there to be a reference to like Denethor's tomato garden. I just want it to be like some farmer's market stall or something like that. (laughs) Denethor's grape tomatoes. (laughs) It's like, these are known to be the juiciest ones available. (laughs) All right. uh, Todd Peterson, I think you get to lead us into round five here. Apocalyptic word dust. Spooky location. 
abandoned theme park, word that pops in head, ridiculous, human body part, little toe. The ridiculous zoning proposal was this, a request coming forth to rezone a residential neighborhood into a theme park called Woke Town, <laughs> modeled on the hell houses of chilled churches in the deep south in Texas. People will come from all over to show their kids what woke looks like to scare them away from it. It was approved and they built it. But when someone found a little toe in the nacho cheese in the snack bar, it was the beginning of the end and the project backfired. Showing the kids their wokeness got them asking questions. And so they abandoned the theme park and warehoused the exhibits with all of the library books people pulled from the shelves, just like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Again, our words are dust, abandoned theme park, ridiculous and little toe. Here is my entry. In the early 1950s, the Dumont Company was riding high. They had the third major broadcast network rivaling CBS and NBC for television dominance, and they had the biggest show on TV for kids, Captain Video. Even before formal planning for Disneyland began, Dumont prepared an amusement park in rural New Jersey featuring spaceship rides, 1950s futuristic sci-fi tech, uh, carnival games. Captain Video Land was meant to usher in a new era of entertainment for families. The first day press for the park was terrible, however, when a worker lost a pinky toe when it was run over by a car in Captain Video's room cars. This led to massive delays and bad press. The park failed to catch on. Captain Video went off the air. The Dumont Network went out of business. The park was abandoned. Now, in the present day, it has largely been reclaimed by nature. A group of urban explorers eager for content for their YouTube channel has set out to find the kitschy 1950s amusement park. Uh, it's harder to get to than they anticipate, and it's dusk when they first enter Captain Video Land. At first, they marvel at the plants growing through the rides. They take wide panning shots of everything as they walk through the park. Later, they look closely at one of the carnival games, and they see the word ridiculous drawn in the dirt and dust on the counter. It's creepy, and they talk about how someone must have been here recently because the letters are all clean, and there's no dust on them at all. (laughs) One of them scans back through the footage they took and sees that when they took the panning shots of the park a few minutes ago, the word was not on the counter. Mm. Who? Who? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Joe, quick question about this one. Was there more than one abandoned theme park submitted for a spooky place? Because uh, I, I strongly considered it. I, I Here, uh, we'll listen to Todd Max, and then I'll come back with that information. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is a story about uh, some teenage kids. Uh, they sneak into an abandoned theme park, and they're exploring around the concession stand magically comes to life. Like think spirited away. All of a sudden the lights turn on and there's all this ridiculous amounts of food. And then a kind of Vashta Narada kind of uh, flesh eating dust starts. It comes out and starts devouring these kids one by one, uh, starting with their little toe or maybe (laughs) this is me thinking through this still. Or maybe one of the kids sees her friends being devoured one by one, and then she feels her little toe start to be eaten, and she runs away, and the dust chases her. So it's like Doctor Who, Silence in the Library, mm-hmm. uh, Spirited Away, and uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's what I got. 
All right, real quick, before we hear who won, the other spooky locations that have been submitted were Abandoned Sanitarium, Abandoned Hospital, and Condemned Shopping Mall. (laughs) So things being abandoned makes them spooky. Yep. Yes. Also commentaries about uh, capitalism happening and and, well, and our mental health, I guess. (laughs) Mental health efforts. As flawed as they've been. Um, I'm going to go with the word written in the dust for oh. Joe. Oh, nice. Okay, that so that's very creepy. Puts us at, uh, oh, and I just want to say the DuPont network uh, and, or the DuMont network and the, the Captain Video, that was all accurate. The nonsense really? about, yeah, there was a, a major network that was rivaling the others for a little while in the 1950s, but it went out of business. And uh, Captain Video was one of the biggest shows in pop culture history, but most of the tapes have, have been destroyed. We have very little that that is still around. Wow. All right. So that puts us at uh, two for Todd Peterson, two for me and one for Todd Mack. And we're entering round number six here. Oh, man. I've got to pull this out from the depths. All right. Our words were name of an invisible friend, Akaroni, a supernatural being, a sleep paralysis demon. A villain from classic literature, Dr. Moreau, and a creepy locale, gas station. Let's just go ahead and say it's an abandoned gas station. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think it's cre- creepy locale when no one's around. It was that one. Uh, and that one's gas station. So, Akaroni, Sleep Paralysis Demon, Dr. Moreau, and gas station. <clears throat> a wood-paneled station wagon drives along an empty road. Dry leaves skitter across the asphalt in the draft of the car. We get a wide shot, and things... Look off. The car curves in a way that feels like a Salvador Dali painting. The trees are exaggerated like a Henry Selleck stop motion. The sky is pink. The engine coughs and sputters, and the car rolls to a stop. The license plate reads, Acaroni. A figure steps out. It has long, jointed metal claws for fingers. It has a long, layered black coat. The cutout of the head of a baby doll has been painted red and is tied around its face. Acaroni begins walking <laughs> through the woods. We see, Then we see his footprints are crossing a desert sand dune. Then he's walking through the caricatured background of a crazy cat comic strip. Then walking across a Hieronymus Bosch painting. Finally, he rounds a road's curve and the flickering neon light light in the distance reads Dr. Moreau's Sleepy Time Gas Station. Akaroni walks past old-timey gas pumps and pushes open a creaky glass door. A minor chord slowdown version of How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria plays from the horn of a phonograph. (laughs) The record wobbles and the needle skips. Akaroni walks past dusty shelves of untouched gas station fare. He enters a back room and sees Dr. Moreau sitting at a table. To his right, a sleep paralysis demon holds cards. To his left, a chupacabra looks up on the table. Settlers of Catan is set up. It looks like the chupacabra is one road segment from a win. Akaroni takes it all in. <laughs> Doctor, he says. Moreau nods to him. Third of your name, he says, and the chupacabra salutes. Akaroni turns to the sleep demon and says, Helen. Helen and Akaroni exchange a complex secret handshake, his metallic claws creaking and rattling with each new movement. Akaroni sighs and says, It's time. Moreau, the sleep demon, and the chupacabra all rise and follow Akaroni out the door. That is so weird. (laughs) It's a whole carnival. You pulled some stuff from other, from other, other word salads. I don't, did I? (laughs) Uh, Wild. 
I will just say the description of Akaroni, that was my son's invisible friend. <laughs> the Akaroni doll. The baby doll. No, like the well, Akaroni the name, and then also the description of long metal claws and a baby doll's face on its head. That wow. was what my my son described his invisible friend to Akaroni. That is wild. <laughs> And that's an image that has stuck with me. I, for I think years. I know which now. I think I know which son it was. Uh, which one were you thinking? Uh, your of, of your son's the middle. No, it was actually my youngest. Oh, had Okay. Okay. Am I up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I hope you don't go word for word with what I just described, Todd. That would be very awkward for us. <laughs> <laughs> A woman gets stranded while driving through the mountains. She walks until she comes to a gas station. At first, she thinks it's abandoned, but then she sees a barely, uh, a barely lit neon sign flickering open. She walks in. Behind the counter is a man with a bright feline eyes and filthy canine teeth. His name tag reads, Moreau. He smiles at her hungrily, but she doesn't cower. She knows something he does not. She has an invisible friend, a sleep paralysis demon named Ocaroni. She smiles back, flashing a vampire's fangs. We're we're all set up, just like giving a hint of action to come in our stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked that, Todd. All right, uh, Todd Peterson. Okay, I'm going to confess that this was one that I didn't I didn't even anticipate we would get this far. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another haiku. <laughs> if this haiku wins <laughs> the, I, the greatest hey, game we've ever played if, I, I am loving this i mean if it's the best of the round then it wins i like i can't i can't give it to it just for being a haiku nor can i exclude it just for being a haiku okay all right then we'll call we'll, we'll call it a high chew haiku because of gas stations <laughs> all right uh, and I just, I recounted the syllables just now while we were chatting. I think I've got this. Acaroni was paralyzed by Doc Moreau at the gas station. <laughs> it is. What, what, is, what a story. Doc Moreau is the sleep paralysis demon. Right. Got it. Uh, I don't know if that's allowed, but I'm going to go to Todd Mack with this one. Nuts. All right. He always kills. All right. So that's a uh, three way tie. Yeah. With one round left. And now Todd Peterson, do you need us to let you go last on this one so you can compose a haiku over there? (laughs) Um, No, I've got this one. Oh, okay. (laughs) uh, This is our last round. We are tied two to two to two. So. Our words are household object, corded earbuds, genre, noir, scary onomatopoeia, funk, sound you don't want to hear alone, a baby's laughter. So I really, I don't have a whole thing. I just like have a start, like a taste. Just give us a little bit of the flavor, you know, just a little Mm -hmm. bit of the vibe and everything uh, that was going on. So I was sitting in my office listening to The Cure through corded earbuds and I heard a thunk at the door and I looked and it was this dame. (laughs) 
And I came in and I said, can I help you? And when she spoke, all I heard was a baby's laughter. Ooh, I don't like that. Maybe the most unpleasant part of it. List, but I was trying to see if I could catch, you know, some kind of detective vibe. And then it goes Guillermo del Toro kind of. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, that uh, the the baby's laughter coming out of her mouth. It's like finding the eyeball in the middle of a stone fruit. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's saying words, but he's just hearing baby laughter. Uh, <laughs> I realized I can't. All right. We've been and doing part this. Of me wants to think like he's he reaches to like switch off his phone from his earbuds. But maybe that doesn't even work. Right. Um, Anyways, there we have it. Well, I, I thank you. Uh, I started to write this one and I realized I wrote something. I'm like, I think I've written this joke before. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so I searched in my Google Docs and I found from last year's <laughs> Halloween special, we had to pitch a story that was a cryptid plus a film noir. <laughs> And uh, I had in that one a character come in named Betty the Bat Squatch. Yes, part bat, part Sasquatch, but all woman. <laughs> you did the same thing. And, and so I had written down you in this one. I writing that exact same I thing. I started saying part werewolf, part Frankenstein, all woman. <laughs> and I'm like, I know I've done something like this before. <laughs> Uh, so something when I get noir, I try and uh, head towards. I mean, it's it's not unlike Todd Peterson saying, you know, a dame was at the door, you know, there. All right, but so so I scratched that, <clears throat> but still, I'm going to capture the noir aesthetic here. So it was the earbuds that convinced Steel Hammer Werewolf Private Eye that he needed to look into her story. Sky Dixon had come into Steel Hammer's office asking for help. He was going to do whatever she wanted because she was a siren and he, he would have been doing it anyway. But now he was going to do it with his own willpower. <laughs> <laughs> because of these earbuds, he was very curious. No matter what port these earbuds were plugged into, you could hear a baby's laughter. Whether you were listening to a classic U2 album or a true crime podcast or Taylor's version of a song, you could also hear a baby's laughter. Sky Dixon explained that 110 years ago, the Siren Queen had a daughter who was destined to have a vaguely defined power and destiny, but it was really important. And with the turmoil that was on the horizon for the world that the Sirens could see, they decided to open a portal and send the child uh, 100 years into the future. But the spell separated the child's essence and embedded its aspects into everyday objects. These earbuds had the child's laughter. But somewhere else in this world was the child's innocence, the child's cuteness, and the child's nighttime fussiness. And if these are put in close proximity together, the child will be brought back to its original body. Sky knows that others are looking for the other parts of the child's essence and are hoping to raise the baby with their philosophies to wield its power for themselves. Uh, Sky says the, these earbuds can be the key to finding those first because the laughter on the earbuds will get louder whenever it is close to an object that houses another part of the siren baby's F essence. Now, Steel Hammer and Sky Dixon are in a race against the creatures of the Knights Templar, the Illuminazis, and the KK cryptids who are all trying to find the siren baby. <laughs> Illuminazis. Uh, Joseph. <laughs> KK I, Cryptids is with a K for cryptid as well. 
I was really hoping that one of the uh, the, the inhabit not, not inhabited, but you know the, the objects that have part of the essence of the the siren. Yeah, I, I'm really disappointed. So I suggest this as an edit that maybe you add an object that contains the child's sense of wonder. Oh, the, the wonder of a child, a childlike <laughs> sense of wonder. It's not in there. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, so you can't get credit for it. Wait, wait. When I scrolled, I lost something. Let me go double check. Oh, I, I missed. Uh, hold on, Andrew. You're gonna have to edit this back in. Also, the child's wonder. <laughs> All right, here we go. Really, uh, just real quick. I'm just really banking on Illuminazis and KK Cryptids to bring me that one. <laughs> this was all set up for me to get to that. Okay. Well, we'll see. This is this is a this is a great game. Let's come down to the final round. Here we go. It's late. The tortured detective is unable to sleep because every time he closes his eyes, he thinks of the wife and baby he lost in a tragic accident that was all his fault. Sleep escapes him completely, so he changes into his running shorts, puts in his earbuds, and goes for a run. The city streets are empty at this time of night. Bright shafts of light only occasionally cut through the fog and the darkness. He runs alone. Then, suddenly, a familiar sound fights its way through the noise pulsing in his head. An icy fear grips his heart, and he rips at the corded earbuds. He feels a painful thunk as they tear free, and he's open to the stillness of the night. Then, a baby laughs. It's his baby. Too scary. Unsettling. Okay. So... Todd Peterson was the noir style detective and Joe <laughs> was the noir style detective. Um, Todd Mack was, was the non noir detective, which if one person was going to go fully noir with it, I would have expected Todd Mack. Well, I'm thinking like minority report, you know? Yeah. That's a, just because I don't have a dame and he's like <laughs> behind his desk does not mean that it's not noir. Come on. When he went out for the run, he closed the door that said private eye painted on glass. <laughs> Listen, if I lose this because you think that my noir is not sufficiently <laughs> noir. <laughs> Did you have a protagonist named Steel Hammer? Private no. werewolf, private eye? No, I, I had a really good Halloween story. I, I will tell you the exact reason that I'm going with my pick and I'm, I'm picking Joe not for yes. the Illuminazis. Uh, I am picking it because he would have done it anyway, because she was a siren, but this time he was going to do it for <laughs> with his own free will. <laughs> I thought that was a really good joke. All right. if, this was, if this was like Joe Rogan, you'd see me shaking my head. <laughs> uh, now i i do want to like i don't know when i'm going to deploy it but i need the illuminazis and the kk cryptids to be in some story i write at some point <laughs> the illuminazi should be a roller derby team <laughs> uh well that uh gives gives me the win with uh, a score of three to two to two wow well, thank you, uh, Todd Peterson. Thank you, Todd Mack, for uh, stretching your creative muscles in with, with just some truly absurd word prompts. <laughs> like, that was really 
that was fun and also very challenging. <laughs> uh I mean, some of these, it really, like, I, as I, the, the random number generator I used to, to identify which word I was going to do, I was putting this, I'm like, I, I have absolutely nothing. I'm glad I get to sit on this for a while before I've got to be spinning, uh, spinning some, some gold out of, out of these, these words here. Uh, but, uh, Andrew, thank you as well for judging this round of a, uh, a protagonist podcast game. I, I don't, I guess we don't have a name for it, but also, Guys, I just want to say this is our ninth time doing this, doing something crazy Amazing. for Halloween. I, it, and it's been like kind of a different thing every time. It's bonkers. Yeah. yeah. Like it just started with Mount Rushmore fear. And now it's turned into <laughs> tell me a story with the words dust, abandoned theme park, ridiculous and little toe. Go. <laughs> yeah. That was super fun. Congratulations, Joe. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, does do uh, Todd Peterson, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, yeah. Um, I have a short story out that seems like it emerged maybe right from one of our games. Uh, It's about a guy who survives the apocalypse by uh, finding the stake list um, for a whole bunch of Mormon people in uh, Missouri. And then he lives off their stolen food. I mean, their (laughs) basement full of food. He steals their food. So he kind of makes it through. No, not the food that they have stolen. He steals their food storage. Yeah, I'm not pitching this really well. Anyways, a guy survives the apocalypse by uh, living in uh, dead Mormon people's basements and eating their food. Interesting. <laughs> and, and where can uh, our listeners find the short story? This is in a new anthology that's uh, out called The Path and the Gate, and it's out from Signature Books right now. at fine uh, booksellers and establishments everywhere. That's awesome. Uh, Todd Mack, anything you want to plug? Um, I have been, uh, I've been working hard on this project about Camino de Santiago, and um, the, a f- couple months ago, I re- I resurrected my old personal website. Uh, it's at toddkmack.com, so t o d d k m a c k dot com. And uh, one of the things that I'm doing for this project, so I'll be writing ab- about the the pilgrimage the way of saint james camino de santiago in spain uh, i'll be hiking the full camino uh next spring uh, with my family but this last spring i went or last summer i went and hiked for a week and spent some time in spain and so it's a writing project it's also a photography project and uh and so there's a there's a little photography uh tab and on that website and you can see some of my pictures from the camino and you know, I'm just trying to slowly get stuff out and, and make this little project, but I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on. Listeners, thank you for downloading this episode. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. Uh, Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. Uh, why is Joe on mute? Maybe he's eating something. I've been talking to you all, and no one ever responded to my witticisms. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I just realized why, because I muted myself to cough a couple minutes ago. You missed some gold, pure gold. Pure gold. Sure we did. Sure we did. I was talking about Alfred Hitchcock's rope while you guys were talking about Quarlin's Birdman. Oh, wow. That was, you've been on mute for a while. (laughs) Why isn't anyone laughing at me? All right. It weaves through the shelves until it exits one shelf. uh, uh, Sorry. It weaves through this uh, shell. Mm, Nope. (laughs) Round four. There's an ad. Is that right on that? Or is it back to Todd? Wait. Oh, no. I think that that's Todd. Sorry. Mac. Yeah, Mac. It should be Mac. Oh, yes. Todd, you're right. Edit that out. Do we still have Todd Peterson? Todd Peterson is on mute. Oh, boy. I was closing the window. Uh, where is, uh, let's see. Sorry. This is not good audio. Uh, with, uh, oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Sky. Sorry. My, my thing scrolled and I'm trying to find it. I'm on all our other <laughs> options <laughs> for words. Sorry, sorry Andrew. <clears throat> all right. First edit uh, of the night. Oh, yeah. 